0: I was wrong. I was wrong. She was ready. And welcome to the Good Writing Podcast, everybody.
1: And don't you doubt it for a second. Welcome back to the Good Writing Podcast. We are ready here. It is month number six of Good Writing Podcast. Ain't mm-hmm. that crazy? We're doing a little review of our very some of our favorite prompts.
0: And thank you very much for listening to these twenty-six episodes.
1: Twenty-six episodes. Mmm. See you on twenty-seven, Ben.
0: <laughs> See ya. It's really funny.
1: to see your face as always
0: so nice to see your face as well emily thank you very much and it's in fact been six months of seeing your face every yes, week yes we have my seen god a lot of, it's been a lot of faces and it, it still it's remains been... fresh it remains fun and i remain confident
1: same face every time never <laughs> getting old <laughs>
0: <laughs> well very slowly getting older we don't notice it yes. But if you were to make a time lapse of all the times we've seen our face I think it would upset us, Um, probably.
1: It's a good thing we don't record the video. (laughs) (laughs) Dear listener, welcome to the Good Writing Podcast. Ben and I have been podcasting together for six months, so today's episode is going to be different and weirder than usual. Yeah. our big idea is as our, our longtime listeners will will recall, we each episode we one of us uh, brings in a piece of craft that we think is amazing, and we spend the episode talking about why we think it's so amazing, what lessons there can can be learned for other writers, and then towards the end of the episode turning that today, what we talked about that day into an exercise, a revision or generation exercise for writers. So today for our six-month um promptisode. We're going to look over our past exercise suggestions and prompts and talk about some of our favorites and how they helped us in our craft.
0: Mm -hmm. Or in some cases, uh, maybe weren't the most successful as we wish them to be. At least I have one of those. I don't know if you do, but yeah. It do be like that sometimes. So (laughs)
1: let's get into it. And I I just want to say also, um, dear listener, thank you for listening to us for some of you for six months. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: That's intense. Anyone that's gone into the backlog, thank you. Anyone that's listened, I I know that our John Free episode got a lot more listens than a lot of our others, and anyone that's heard that and has stuck around since then, or even if this is your first one you're listening to ever, thank you. Like, it means yeah. a lot.
1: It's, it's been a really fun six months. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, Backstory on our podcast, Ben and I graduated from an MFA program together, and then pandemic hit, and we both, in different ways, kind of realized we had sometimes fallen off the writing train and also just missed having craft conversations, the kind that you would have in an MFA workshop. Um, So part of our motivation in hosting this podcast, as I'm sure part of your motivation in listening to it, is to find inspiration for our own writing. Um, Ben, Mm -hmm. you've done your homework for this episode. (laughs) What was your favorite prompt or exercise that we suggested?
0: Okay, my favorite one that I have picked up and done also um, is definitely... Ooh, that's kind of hard to choose because it, it's a toss-up. Because I think I got my best thing out of the um, uh, out of doing the thing that Brett Beeble suggested, which was focusing on an object. Like, I have a story that I think has legs and that I'm going to keep working on from that. Um, uh, but the one that I had the most fun doing... But, I also thought was my least successful attempt was the uh, one that you suggested of using a historical event or a significant event as the background for a piece of writing. I thought I just still think that there's so much fruitfulness to that idea, and I had a really interesting time doing it, but I ran into a lot of trouble in the piece that I was trying to do with it. Um, yeah, it, it didn't. yeah.
1: I am intrigued. Well, let's start, let's start with Brett Beeble's suggestion. So Brett Mm. Beeble is a flash fiction writer who we had on a few episodes ago. And let's listen to Brett explain this prompt idea.
2: I I also like, I think this story is funny. I think the end of the story is really funny. Uh, And a lot of times you get stories Mm. about decline, like, like, you know, the decline of, of America, whatever that is, right? (laughs) Or like, Mm. like this, Mm. this kind of like. Stories that are are after um, a grittiness or edge or whatever that that just d- don't seem to work. And, and this story does, cause it like has a serious, I think, emotional core. But it, it also doesn't take itself too seriously at the end of the day. Um, I think mm-hmm. um, you know that fucking sprite line is just really funny in sprite. Agreed. Sprite sprite is just perfect, right? Like I can't think of a more perfect yeah. a more perfect nothing brand. <laughs> mm-hmm, <yeah. laughs> the to, least offensive. To yeah. Usually, uh, when I when I sometimes when I pass a story out in class, I, I have their students, I have my students um, work on stories with a brand name, like start with start with a brand name, yeah. um, cool. because I think that's uh, fun and also sort of a, a note. And it's just interesting to see what they choose and how they choose to incorporate mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. a, a story that turns on some sort of some sort of brand, or where a brand kind of stands in for a particular character. Um, and that's that's sort of a simple, <laughs> simple um, idea. Um, I try to keep my prompts like really open. I
1: know? think it's a brilliant exercise though because it makes you think about object.
2: Yeah. Know?
1: Like yeah. Using a specific object as as a turn, like mm-hmm. whether you keep it as a brand like the sprite turn here or um, whatever, wherever other
2: directions an object can take you. Uh, I love I love yeah. objects in fiction. Fictions from points of views of objects. <laughs> um, um, just just the, the how much stuff plays a role in our lives, I think is awesome, and, and that's a, a good way to, to get at some of that for sure. Yeah.
0: Nice. So you first. Okay. Um, yeah, so talking about objects, explaining objects up, basically this is an exercise that I feel like you, you've probably done this before if you've ever taken any sort of creative writing class. I feel like this is a generative exercise and also a... I, I think this is often like just a technique exercise that is described and not necessarily meant to even be the genus of a story or a larger piece kind of thing. A lot of the time, this is just a way to literally practice writing as attempt to describe an object or start with an object as a focus. Um, but I, I did a thing where I was taking an object as a focus uh, as a kind of obsession of a character. Um, was this object about, and, and then was kind of able to unfold from there a, a, a sort of um world and, and um that character's relationship to the world through their understanding of this object and how other people also interpret this same object. Um, because I'm me, I chose a knife, um, and then mm-hmm. just kind of having like I, I, I kind of it kind of evolved into this assassin character who like accepts people into their order based on how they interpret their own knives versus how he interprets his. Um, and it, it just makes a really fruitful thing because you're, you're, you have this locust that is a physical thing in the story. Um, that allows you to go into actual concrete description of something and of its location in the world but also it then can have emotional resonance within characters and you get to you you get both of those things out of the same thing especially as you concentrate on it. Yeah, so that was that was int- it came up with some interesting stuff out of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. I
1: mean, I think the key to to like really heating a prompt well is just it's whatever gets your hand moving on, on mm-hmm. the page, whatever gets mm-hmm. your fingers typing, like whatever gets mm-hmm. gets the idea in motion and then pursue it wherever you pursue it. Um, yeah. Yeah, as much as you may not admit it, Ben, I do think you are off at almost as biased as I am towards developing like characters and social situations and d- mm-hmm. dynamics because you started with a knife and you ended in like a cult society, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, it, I do think It's where we're... it always goes, yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah.
1: Um I also did some amount of like starting with an object. So if I'm Mm -hmm. like just like Emily, you need to free write today, you need to do something, you like are losing your sense of identity as a writer if you don't freaking write something today. Um I like starting with an object that I think is interesting or surprising is my default as well. Mm -hmm. Um so I did a couple little flash doodles out of this. One I started with I don't know if you are aware of it, but um there's the world's largest easel is in western Kansas. Um, awesome. And upon it is a recreation of a Vincent Van Gogh sunflower painting.
0: Oh, cool. You can actually okay.
1: see it from the interstate if you're driving from Colorado, where I live now, to mm-hmm. Kansas City, where my parents live. So it's like on I-70, which is very flat mm. and pretty boring <laughs> <So it's> a <laughs> in nice,
0: A nice way of um, breaking up that drive.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's in Goodland, Kansas. It's like a mile or two north of the interstate, so you can just barely mm-hmm. see it from the interstate. You have to be looking mm-hmm. for it. But, mm-hmm. like, it's definitely worth a little detour. There's They've added, like, a cute little dog park next to it. So hmm. um, I don't know why I've been, but I often find myself, like, defaulting to writing about, like, this boring fucking drive on I-70 between <laughs> Colorado and Kansas. Like, this is, like, yeah. the second or third time that I've written about, like, okay, just the yeah. lack of view from there. Um, yeah. And then another time that I first started with an object, um, I saw this video of, like, it's like a Roomba for mowing your lawn, and it's at okay. Versailles. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a it's like a robot lawnmower that like mm-hmm. self-directs at yeah, Versailles. Yeah, at
0: like the National Mall and stuff too. I think. That's yeah, like fascinating.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I just was like, that's so. I, I just found that really poignant and and doodled about it for a bit, but um, mm-hmm. starting with an object on these has not yet led to a larger story. Just like led to mm-hmm. some really pleasant free writes for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think that, the uh, you know, the, those pleasant free writes, uh, I, I feel like a lot of writers don't feel that they have time for those as, as much as they should. It's something that I know I don't allow myself as much. I think that if I'm sitting down to write, the goal has to be that this is going to turn into something instead of just allowing, you know, pen yeah, to move on just... page, fingers to type. Yeah. Like, uh...
1: Yeah. Which is uh, a shame, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, Because it just like puts so much emphasis on like production and like the capacity to produce as the goal of everything, it it feels like. And and these acts of creation should be given that more, that more like allowance to be emotional or therapeutic or just, you know, without intended purpose. Just kind of. Yeah,
1: or just like I think like it helps me feel like I know myself as a writer better if mm-hmm. I just you know do devote some time to free writing and, and letting it look mm-hmm. like whatever it happens to look like
0: mm-hmm.
1: um if I've been in one project for too long I start to think that that project is who I am as a writer and it, it's mm-hmm. not it's one version of it right so mm-hmm. like my mm-hmm. novel manuscript with you know um free writing helps remind me like no I do like to experiment experiment and form sometime and I do like mm-hmm. you know less conventional voices um mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to, like, especially moving from, like, one big project that I had been obsessed with for years to, yeah. you know, this, like, loose, shaky ground that I'm on <laughs> still yeah. um, in between yeah. big projects. It's
0: helpful. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Big shout out. Thank you, Brett Beeple, um, Yeah, for a really good prompt. That is yeah. always a good default if you are mm. looking for uh, mm. uh, something, something to get the juices flowing. Okay, yeah. so Ben... Your mm-hmm. next prompt you brought up was our prompt that we got from Megan Boyle. Um, yes. So what it was, was we, you read, you had me read, like, a section of Megan Boyle's uh, novel, Live Blog.
0: Mm-hmm. Memoir? Novel? Memoir, no, it, It's It says a novel on the cover, but it is, it, you know, it's autofiction, I think, would be a good place to yeah. let it live. Like, yeah.
1: So the section that Ben had me read from Live Blog included... Like, she's depressed, she's going to visit her mom, Um, and her mom, it's the finale, the series finale of The Office, and it's just, that's just, like, happening in the background while she's, like, going home to visit her mom. Um, And our, let's listen to a little bit about that prompt. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to go to that moment about the mom, we totally can. Okay,
1: I really want to go to the moment about the mom. So, so when she's feeling i think maybe suicidal mm-hmm. low grade suicidal um depressed for she sure she thinks yeah mm-hmm. definitely depressed she says like she thinks she's been thinking about driving to maryland which mm-hmm. is where she's from mm-hmm. and then she dri- decides to drive to maryland and then she it when she arrives she pulls into a parking space at her mom's house um thoughts in car were mostly what could i have done differently and why am i doing this and Will someone be mad at me for doing this? A little, that looks interesting. And why isn't e-cigarette working? And I don't feel effects from the pills I ate. And am I hungry? I am hungry. So, like, thoughts in the car. Like, I just like how she uses space and location to, Mm -hmm. like, even though this is, sounds Mm nonfiction, like, I really like her use of space and location to, like, set the mood Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like existential crisis in the car and then she goes inside and her mom is watching the second to last episode of the office and the mom says you have to watch the last office episode with me it's Mm -hmm. the farewell episode Mm -hmm. and she just sits on the couch and and they talk about the office and it's goofy and cheerful cheerful and her mom kind of cries about it a little bit Mm -hmm. and then she goes to pick up takeout and everyone else is watching the office and it's just like pulling her out of herself Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and also it's like i think a character stumbling into the end of something else Mm -hmm. even if it's not super relevant to what they've been doing Mm -hmm. makes that more poignant Mm -hmm. right like it's the farewell episode of a beloved tv show where were you when you watched that episode, right? Like, it's it's adding a certain level of um, meaning to yeah. what
0: she's doing, even though it's not related to the office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely like yeah it, it just brings her into the, like like you said it brings her out of herself and into this space with other people like she she's no longer alone right now she's with her mother and, and to a certain extent with the people at the thai food restaurant as well because of this shared connection yeah okay
1: i also want to say if you if anyone like a best practice if you're like trying to hang out with someone who you know is depressed mm-hmm. is don't like Bring up their depression. Like, don't, don't like be like, Where have you been? You haven't been texting me back. You're super depressed. Why aren't you getting better? Be like, Hey, I'm watching The Office. You want to take out? You know, like just do an activity, like a low stakes activity with them that will bring them out of themselves. And if they want to talk about the depression, they can. But Like, this, I don't know if the mom's, like, just casually doing her or if this is intentional, but, like, this is a best practice if you're talking to somebody who's
0: depressed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, because, like, she says that thing where she hugged me hard and asked if I was sick. Knew I wasn't but felt my face look like maybe. Like, you know, (laughs) I said, no, I'm just not feeling so good, which... Means sick.
2: Um, yeah, that's what sick means.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> hugged <laughs> me again and said, "You have to watch the farewell office. Just like, come on, let's go be away from that feeling. Like, yeah." Hmm.
1: Okay, cool. So Ben, you took this prompt and you found trouble.
0: <laughs> what did you do? I I think, I, and I I want to go back to this and do it more. And maybe I want to address this as a revision thing, or if I think a a, a um scene is stale. And try it in that way because it might be more interesting there to bring it to something that's already written um, Mm -hmm. and see how it changes the texture. But I I attempted to do this once again as like a semi-generative thing and ended up with a thing that I do not think is going anywhere. Um, Because I, you know, I, I put this thing in the background and it felt almost too intentional um, putting it in there like I, I was suddenly like looking at this thing as like and constantly looking at it like okay how is that affecting the timbre of the scene how is that like how can this attach to a same metaphorical construct construct as to what the characters are doing in the scene like how can it how is their relationship to this moment being showcased as a like thing and, and like it, it became kind of rot in that way. Um and, and I just kind of uh, or fraught, that's the word not rot, but yeah. Um it just come became just kind of caught up in that rather than allowing it to be backgrounding. I, I found it hard to figure out ways to not have it be obviously like interfering with the scene itself. Mm that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. interesting.
1: So uh, you tried to start with the bigger historical context is in is in the background and it just felt sounds like it might have made it feel just like too premeditated too perfect.
0: Yeah, exactly. It it, it was it was too it it w- instead of it being not obvious that it was like guiding things it, the fact that it was guiding things just felt at least when I was reading back through what I was writing like just felt like okay that's too. It's too clearly in relationship to what's going on. Mm. It, it, it's like it, it's it's like a stain or, or it felt that way. Like so I, I think it might be more useful to try to in to go back and insert this into something that already exists because then you have an already extant scene that has its own connections and things that it's building on, and then this becomes part of that greater tapestry rather mm-hmm. than it being kind of like one of the original weaving threads. like
1: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that makes the most sense. Although I will say, so I sort of did this not mm-hmm. with full intention, not with premeditation, mm-hmm. um, for my recent short story uh, set in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. So I've got a short story with a really voicey protagonist set in a movie yeah. theater. It happens to take place over Christmas. mm mm-hmm. um, and it's not about the Christmas spirit. There's a few jokes about, you know, how shitty mm-hmm. it is to work a part- minimum wage job during Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, eh, like, it's not about Christmas. But I do think that, like, that makes, like, the lack of connection and lack of warmth between people yeah. in the story, like, mm-hmm. more poignant.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: But the genesis of that was actually, like, not super intentional. Like, um, uh, mm-hmm. I worked a shitty movie theater job over Christmas one time Mm -hmm. and I was just like free writing, playing with the voicey protagonist and you know, realized I had said it over Christmas and like that there was opportunity to do more with that after I was partway through drafting. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It it did work. um, But I like really dialed back all of my instincts to go too hard about it being Mm -hmm. Christmas because I didn't want to be too obvious about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, because then it becomes a story about Christmas, exactly. Like which is not the goal of that piece in the slightest. Yeah. yeah. And, and I and I think that you I think you did a really good job of that now that you're talking about that, it's like, oh yeah, that that is set at Christmas and that does like add that weird twist of like the desire for connection that people have around holidays, like only makes that, you know, the lack of connection between the characters stronger there. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm.
1: mm. But it wasn't mm-hmm. like it wasn't too perfect because I, like, wasn't... I wasn't even fully aware, like, yeah. as I was drafting, you know. Um, yeah. I do think that yeah. helps.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's an advantage that Megan Boyle has, too, it, when she does it. And what makes that so interesting is that it is just, like, a thing as she's, you know, describing her life. So the mm-hmm. fact that it took place when this this other thing was happening is just... Is not on, on purpose or intentional at all. It's just the order of events. And yeah. that, like, uh, allowed her to kind of, like play in that space a little more easily as well um yeah so are we trying to say that this is something that you can only do accidentally maybe like trying to do it on purpose yeah
1: well it's hard you know if if something is core to your like genesis of the story it's hard to Mm -hmm. dial it back and make it feel less obvious like you and to be clear like things should be obvious sometimes Like Mm -hmm. you should lean Mm -hmm. into stuff let it be obvious Mm -hmm. um but yeah honestly i think that we might be saying that that's how you and I recommend doing it at least or what's worked for us is when it's (laughs) (laughs) semi-accidental
0: you know just when it just happens so uh advice for writers uh sometimes things just got to be happening (laughs) (laughs) that's so goofy uh
1: okay um cool Ben did you say you had one more prompt you wanted to talk about
0: Yes. Um, I, I don't know the exact episode that we talked about this in, but I know it came up in, like, the Fernanda Melkor episode. We talked about sentence, sentence length, and specifically I know there have been times when you have mentioned something that uh, Papatia, uh, Papatia are one of the professors at our um, MFA program, um, that she would uh, say is, like, what if you stayed in this sentence just a little bit longer? A- yeah. And just a way of paying attention to sentence length um mm-hmm. as and the effect that that has on your prose um i have uh been done a few drafts of a piece in which i have paid very specific attention to um a there's a large section in which i kind of repeat two sentences over and over again with variations on mm-hmm. like the content of what that that sentence is describing but they always have the same construction so mm-hmm. it, it's trying to use like the length of those sentences and the rhythm that they build through being those repeated sentences is something that I found to be very useful and of I think it's an evocative, evocative stylistic moment. I I would actually like I think that piece is a little bit ready for workshop. So um if at some point I hope you'll read it and you can yeah. tell me whether or not I'm right about that. Um yeah. But yeah, the that you know just really intentionally picking out how your sentence is going to land is is, does a lot of work overall like Mm -hmm. picking out like the length of it and, and knowing when you are writing a long sentence versus knowing when you are writing a short sentence and making sure that that is on purpose and understanding the effect that that has on the rhythm and sound of the prose itself is you know that has been very fruitful for me at least as a learning experience if nothing else
1: Yeah, big time. So, are okay, first, I want to pause and play a clip. I I know we talked about this in our very first episode, too, Mm -hmm. an -hmm. example of an intentionally long sentence that's really mirroring um, how the uh, protagonist is feeling at that moment. So, pausing here, listen to this moment from
0: our Pride and Prejudice episode. As they walked across the lawn towards the river, Elizabeth turned back to look again. Her uncle and aunt also stopped also. And while the former was conjecturing as to the date of the building, the owner of it himself suddenly came forward from the road, which led behind it to the stables. Ah!
1: Mr. Darcy appears! (laughs) (laughs) He's there! Why the sentence bangs so much is because the grammar Mm -hmm. of the sentence reinforces how unexpected his appearance is.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go, go into that, please. Yeah.
1: As they, so I'm just going to reread it and I'm going to announce the grammar out loud because I know our readers are just, our listeners are just listening not not seeing the sentence. As yeah. they walked across the lawn towards the river, comma, Elizabeth turned back to look again, semicolon. Her uncle and aunt stopped also, colon, and while the former was conjecturing as to the date of the building, comma, the owner of it himself suddenly came forward from the road, comma, which led behind it to the stables. The owner of it himself, like, Mr. Darcy isn't even done by name here, right? The owner mm-hmm. of it himself, like, just a man, you know, you have to, like, engage your brain to realize who that man is.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that also, like, creates, like, that visual distance where you're, it's like the character is seeing them and not registering fo- fully, like, right away. It's like, wait, who is that? Oh, that's the owner. Oh, that's Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Like, exactly.
1: Yeah. It kind of has that effect. When you see someone from a distance and you're like, that's a person. Oh, wait, I know that person, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The owner
1: of it himself suddenly came forward from the road, comma, which led behind it to the stable. So, like, it was Mr. Darcy. Mr. Darcy isn't even, like, the end of the sentence. He is hidden in the middle mm-hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. as i was reading i actually basically did a double take Mm -hmm. which is what elizabeth would have done having run into somebody who she wasn't expecting to see
0: exactly yeah exactly
1: (laughs) so ben what you're saying Mm -hmm. when you tried this your your takeaway was um it works like to just pay attention to vary it but also it sounded Mm -hmm. like you were like trying to create a rhythm, like, repeat the same thing, but in differently-length sentences.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and uh, understanding the ways that that unfolds. uh, It unfolds and changes the rhythm and keeps, like, it it having the, basically, like, the two sentences each begin the same, like, they have the same beginning every time, Mm -hmm. and then it goes into a different thing after that. So understanding the ways that... You know, you're able to kind of bounce the back end of this sentence off of the same front end every time is, is I, I think, leads to a very interesting reading experience. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I I think doing things like that, like just paying attention, is always smart to to understand how your sentences are going to sound when they are read. Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah. Um, I've got one from mm-hmm. our real settings that mess with your character Mess With Your Characters episode.
0: Mm, um, please, so yes. the prompt
1: in this one is like, set your story in places that draw out what the character's conflict is. So mm. pausing for a second, I will play a flashback from that episode. This is her debut novel. It's called No One Is Talking About This. Uh, when she was 14 weeks old, they took the baby to Disney World because this, because this in America was something that you did. This is... Th- One of the best uses of settings that I've seen in a novel. The baby rode with equanimity through the darkness of the haunted mansion, regarding the proceedings with the same tolerant amusement she had shown at her baptism. Don't worry, she seemed to reassure her mother and father, who balanced her like a child queen between them in their roller coaster car. It won't be like this. It won't be anything like this at all. These are forms, she told them earnestly as the camera took a picture of them in their quote, corruptible mortal state, unquote, for everyone to laugh at together when the ride was over. But if you ever really need it, I will put on a white lace dress and come to you.
0: I mean, now knowing the context of this within the novel, this is about a child who is going to die, like that. that is, that is deeply affecting. Knowing that this is like the child, like, you know, being reflected, their future being reflected by the place that they are in currently, which is like a parody of that future in a way to make it seem softer but in knowing you know what's going on in this moment that this is something that's like probably deeply terrifying to the characters in those moments because it is just like showing them fate but as a reassurance that this is not the fate that actually awaits us but that's that's really really cool yeah like (laughs) so good yeah (laughs) like
1: they go to Disney World, mm-hmm. which is a common activity you do for kids, but they mm-hmm. do it when their kid is unsuitably too young—14 yeah. weeks old, like—and yeah. then they go to the—they go on a ride that's like relatively kid-friendly, but obviously mm-hmm. not infant-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Haunted Man- Mansion, which has a bunch of ghosts flying mm-hmm. around and like you like get the ghosts come at you, you turn around, it's like fun but not that scary. Yeah. Um, the they go to the ghost. They go to the ghost ride with their soon-to- with their soon-to-be-dead child. Yeah. Like, that's such good use of setting. <laughs> I'm freaking out. I'm still freaking out. So one way that I like ran with this idea was like, what are other if not settings, but other things that like really draw out the character dynamics? So I did a little mm-hmm. exercise about um, playing Super Mario. Um, I was playing Super Mario recently. And nice. like if you're doing a bad enough job at Super Mario at mm-hmm. the end, Mario instead of being like da da da, you know, when you finish a level, he'll be like, We made it! Oh my god.
2: <laughs>
1: Ooh, we made it
2: <laughs> Um,
1: and then other times, like if you're doing a really good job, he'll say like, um, gosh, what is it? He says, like, uh, dad was fast or whatever it is. So like, he'll comment <laughs> on your play
2: like oh, only, man.
1: and you have to get really far to, to get there. Um, yeah. So I was like, that's a really good, like way to draw out like a interpersonal conflict between mm-hmm. like, I know I played with like my sibling, my neighbor kids, mm-hmm. like as a mm-hmm. kid a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. So I just used, I was thinking of like settings as a way to draw out like your main characters problem. But then I also thought mm-hmm. about like setting or external, like what they're doing activity to draw out, like, emphasizing the character dynamics i'm like truly as a kid if you were shitty at the video game that was in vogue at the time like it Mm -hmm. did affect your standing in the hierarchy (laughs) it really did so mario being like we made it (laughs) got got the juices going for me
0: (laughs) oh man that's awesome yeah so like uh, are you saying that in this thing that you're working on like you you were using like this example of the video game like as for the the player themselves and their like kind of reaction to this moment, uh, as a way of like tying that together of the these two things like uh, showcasing the same emotional strife. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, like an older sibling who's better at a video game playing with a younger sibling mm. who's pretty shitty at it, and mm-hmm. like using that as uh, drawing like demonstrating like the dynamic, like the power dynamic, and also like the, the
0: annoyance, mm. <laughs> the
1: tension in between mm. those characters.
0: Uh, that's excellent. Yeah, the that's really good. So you, so so you would say that this definitely like works for um as a thing when you try to put this into practice.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, all yeah. the time. But it's it's mm-hmm. something that helped me. It was hard to think of like a, the perfect setting for like one character, but like to think mm-hmm. of like settings that would draw out like the character's tension, like help. Mm-hmm. I, I had more ideas occur to me for that. So it mm-hmm. kind of like. Reframed this prompt in terms of not like drawing out what is the character's internal drama, but like mm-hmm. can can I make it external? Their
0: interpersonal. Can I, uh, can yeah. I externalize it mm-hmm. more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The setting and the action being the the actual like representation of the internal state rather than yeah. yeah okay cool yeah yeah nice. Yeah. Yeah. Did you
1: ever <laughs> do that? anything setting heavy?
0: um i don't know like i have done setting heavy stuff like the the stuff that feels setting heavy to me is, is oftentimes i'm really just focusing on how strange the setting is um mm-hmm. and, and it's usually not like I, i'm usually trying to stay very external in those scenarios like drawing the reader along to like the strangers of that so i can't say that i've done done a similar thing um i know i wrote something very early in uh the mfa career that was about l- like um uh, some weird ritual being done by people where a um, kid was being taken out into kind of this like stalker-esque zone sort of area and was being, like, ritualistically, like, punished by the, his caretaker in this scenario it, as a way of, like, holding back the outside world. It, it was a, like, it, and I guess that kind of does that because it kind of is, you know, the, the strife between these two characters is represented by the greater strife of the outside world, but it also wasn't mm. a very good piece. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I can't say if it was very successfully doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, the spirit was there. You had the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, did you have one yeah. more prompt you wanted to talk about?
0: Uh, those are definitely the ones that I have done most recently. Um, I, I will say as always. Um, I I'm always being doing ekphrastic work. Like if I'm mm-hmm. trying to do stuff, I love to put on music and write to the emotional state of the music. If I'm doing free writes that end up being like, as we were talking about earlier, you, you mentioned successful free writes, any like really successful or good feeling free write is usually done in that way where I'm just kind of reacting to usually music um, in the writing that I'm producing. Like So I, I do that a fair amount, but there isn't anything specific in that, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, ekphrastic writing. So that would be like writing about art. Uh, I think Ben's often recommended. You know, there was a jazz album that you recommended as as your one as your like recommendation of the week once as as just like you put it on and just like let it let the juices flow.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, out to lunch by the Eric Dolphy uh, quintet, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, the just stuff like that. Like you know, I'm always trying to do that, especially when I feel low or feel like I can't write. Doing something like that usually helps me get you know a, a um a proverbial version of going like, <laughs> is kind of how I would describe that. Yeah. Totally. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. um, I have one other prompt that I don't know if we've ever yes. on the air before. Um, and oh, it yeah. is... Uh, reading poetry I, I you know as any of our dedicated listeners know like ben and i are very much biased in towards fiction mm-hmm. um and we've occasionally very lightly dabbled in nonfiction, but we are really biased towards fiction mm-hmm. um i recommend reading poetry collections and specifically like just kind of like letting the language wash over you and um what's something that happened worked really well for me recently was just like letting the language wash over me wash over me and then um, I stumbled into just a sentence in in a poem that I just, out of context, thought was really inspiring. So, mm-hmm. it was in Joshua Bennett's Ode O W E D is the name of the poetry collection. Mm-hmm. I um, the sentence was, "I'm pretty good at not loving anything enough to fear its ruin," which mm-hmm. I thought was a fascinating sentence. Um, totally out of the context of I think the poem itself was like stuck stuck set in a just like a a, a train ride somewhere. So it wasn't it was mm-hmm. like just a, a genius, inspiring sentence to me. And um, yeah, I did a little free write about like what what this ended up being with about like, you know, people who try to go to like zero waste, um, like mm-hmm. just not throwing anything away. Like, can I reduce yeah. my intake to a point where I'm only reusing things and not okay. creating trash? Um, mm-hmm. So I wrote about like someone who's that. So not super in this totally different spirit from like the original Joshua Bennett line of I'm pretty good at not loving anything enough to fear it's ruin. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like not owning things, like not wanting things. And and Mm. yeah. Yeah. So um, reading outside of your genre, even just for Mm. the language and then like truly just pausing. And if if you read it, find stumble upon an inspiring sentence, like just pausing free writing for a little bit and then coming back to reading.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, anything of taking away from, like, you know, the the other sources, going to other non... Even going so... I would say even go so far as to find inspiration outside of writing, like, mm-hmm. in, in that way. Like, you know, from things like taking a walk, things that we've suggested before, you know, t- taking a walk, taking that as an inspiration source, you know, having a conversation with someone, watching TV, like, just taking all of those moments as potential ways and thinking about how they could be adapted or influential in the writing that you want to make. Like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's fantastic. Cool.
1: Well, guys, um, it's been six months of podcasting. Um, yeah. Ben, how do you see our next uh, journeys, next goals in the podcast?
0: Well, um, I guess coming up as far as next goals on the podcast, um, I, I think we... W- I think we would both agree that we want to go into maybe a more guest heavy format. So look to that in the future, um, as something of trying to bring more people on, um, and trying to, and if there's anyone you would like to see on the podcast, like to hear on the podcast, people that we may not be aware of, feel free to shout them out, shout us out, you know, let us know and we'll see what we can make happen. Um, and I'd, you know, I'd definitely like to see a lot more good writing um coming mm-hmm. forward. and um do do we want to announce now the idea of going down? like yeah. I think it's
1: I think it's time yeah. for Ben and I to make our announcement. Um, yeah, dear listener, beloved listener, uh, we you will be hearing from us less frequently
0: uh, mm-hmm. in the future.
1: Um, we'll be doing probably two episodes a month every other Monday. Yeah. Um, instead yeah. of every Monday, um, primarily not because we don't love you, mom and dad love you. It's because yes. <laughs> we don't read very fast. and like, we don't have that many
0: more good ideas stored up.
1: So we got to, we got to reel it back.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we got to do it for you and for ourselves. Also, like, I know that this sounds like so much fun and that you wish you were in the room hanging out with us, but podcast hard. Podcast, podcast very hard. hard. I don't <laughs> have this many
1: ideas, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, podcast hard. Me have slow brain um brain tire you know, yeah brain
1: need, brain need more ideas in order for better yeah. better podcasts
0: <laughs> yeah that's the goal <laughs> is to create a better thing and if it we get to a point where you know we're having more guests or we are in a position where we're able to read more potentially going back up to weekly as is, is totally an option um but until then i think it's just smarter for everyone involved if we you know we take it a little easier take a
1: little breaky boo
0: that's been that but um if we wish to move forward is there anything that you recommend for the week
1: recommendation of the week um my recommendation this week is coming any moment now um
0: I have one if you'd like me to go first.
1: Yep, I sure would. Yep, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Cool. Um, Well, I may have recommended this before, but I do not care because I will recommend it again. The new season of The Circle is on Netflix. And if you do not watch The Circle, The Circle is the greatest reality show game show that exists, if you ask me remind me Uh, what what, is this one again the circle is when a group of people go into this um basically this apartment building uh they're each assigned their own apartment and they never see each other they can only communicate to each other through these like social media profiles essentially that they set up and then a shared chat room and they can privately message one another Occasionally, there's elements of the game that change this, but, you know, that's just kind of twists and turns as the season goes. Um, they can either play as themselves, or they can be a catfish and pretend to be someone else. The, mm. the competition is that every episode or two, they all rank each other, and the people that are in first and second place usually get to decide the player that's eliminated, And then at the very end of the season, they do one final ranking, and whoever they decide wins is the person that wins $100,000 for the season. So Mm. it's a fascinating social game. Mm -hmm. And I think what makes it good is that many reality shows are kind of based around humiliation and punishment, whereas this is a game that rewards the players for being smart like the most interesting moments on the show aren't when someone like falls apart and starts crying the most interesting moments on the show are when someone tricks someone in a really interesting or specific way or someone does a really smart deduction of figuring out that someone's not who they say they are like those mm, are the like the highlights yeah so it's it's a really good show yeah I love
1: that. yeah okay so on that note my recommendation this week speaking of reality TV will be um you know willow from this past season of rupaul's drag race
0: uh not can't say i'm familiar now.
1: okay willow pill from this past season of rupaul's okay. drag race um i just enjoy watching her on this season you should watch the whole mm-hmm. season but i okay. i just like i feel like willow and Diabetty too, and in varying ways bosco are just like more strategic it feels more mm. like a strategy game listening to uh, okay. them you know yeah. like uh willow would say like I, I don't know, just in the confessionals, it just felt like more of a strategy game rather than like a, mm-hmm. a um, it, it finally felt more like a competition where you're like,
0: uh, okay. st-
1: thinking about like who you want to go against based on different contestants rather than
0: mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like,
1: put it, leave it all on the field. Um, yeah. So my recommendation this week is um, RuPaul's Drag Queen, Willow Pill, um, generally, just generalized. Just, Hell just yeah. A, just, a, just a delightful queen to, to be a fan I... of. <laughs>
0: Well, we can assume that she has, like, an album as well as a YouTube channel, most likely, right? <laughs> like, that, that's how drag queens work these days, as far as I can tell. That's the marketing it, strategy. Yeah, sure is. you got to hustle. Yeah. <laughs> Get a book out there,
1: Willow. <laughs> She's probably us. on
0: Twitch. <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly.
1: Honestly. Yeah. My recommendation is, is Willow from the seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um Thanks for listening, everybody. This was the Good Writing Podcast, at m- month number six. Month yeah. number six, half a year of the Good Writing Podcast. Um, if you've got anything short for us, we're on Twitter at Good Writing Pod, GoodWritingPod, Pod on Twitter, or you can email us at GoodWritingPodcast at gmail.com.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you in two weeks.
1: See you in, like, probably two weeks. Bye.
2: <laughs>
0: Bye. <laughs>